Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. Well, good morning, everybody. So good to see your smiling faces here today in person. And I just want to say welcome, glad you're here. And also to those of you who are joining us online, we're glad that you're here. And I just want to say this, if you are physically able and you're watching online to join us in person, we'd extend that invitation to you to join us any Sunday. We'd love to see your face here. So hey, before I dive into the message this morning, there's a couple of things that I just want to celebrate. And one is this, yesterday there were four teenagers who decided that they were going to take from nine o'clock in the morning till five o'clock in the evening and wash cars and raise money for Speed the Light. It's amazing. Some of you are like, that's cool, but what in the world is Speed the Light? Speed the Light is our youth arm of Kingdom Builders for teenagers, and so as they raise money and it goes uh, through Kingdom Builders and Speed the Light, it's purchasing vehicles and sound equipment for missionaries around the world. And so yesterday, these four students had reached out weeks ago to Pastor Madison and said, is there any way that we could do a car wash at the church on a Saturday, and can we promote it and do it for Speed the Light? And so yesterday, I showed up. They washed my car, and I saw, I I heard that somebody even came by on a bicycle and a stroller. And, uh, and so my, I started receiving text messages. They'll wash anything with wheels. And so, uh, so anyway, yesterday they did that from 9 o'clock until 5 o'clock. How I many know it was hot yesterday? It was hot. I mean, and, and so these girls just faithfully, Nevaeh, Campbell, Riley, and Annabelle went after it from 9 Did I say that already? From 9 o'clock until 5 o'clock. They went after it washing cars and raised over $1,500 for Speed the Light yesterday. Love it. Love the heart of generosity that our church has and that it infiltrates every area from BGMs for kids with BGMC, youth with Speed the Light, and all of us with Kingdom Builders. It's so exciting. And I tell you, I, I've just, I believe that God's going to help us this year. Our goal for Kingdom Builders is $350,000. Erica talked about the booklet this morning, and I know the shape of the economy right now. And so let me just tell you this. It means that ministry everywhere is more expensive than it's ever been. And so as we've set goals to help fund some projects for people, how many know that those expenses are going to be even greater than what we've pledged to give them? And so here's my hope and my prayer, is that in this season, rather than conserving, we would just be generous, and that that $350,000 goal at the end of the year would just be blown out of the water. I would call missionaries and look at some of these projects and say, we're not going to send you $20,000, we're going to send you $30,000, because we know you've had your expenses are greater than what they were. And so that's just what I'm believing for. And so just want to, again, say thank you for your faithfulness to tithe, giving 10% of your income to the local church, and then giving above and beyond that with Kingdom Builders. And how many know that as we all do our part, we're going to make a difference? And so we're already making a difference. And so, again, thank you for that. The kids just returned from kids camp this past week. And I just want to say to all the counselors who went, thank you. God bless you. I hope that 
you've been able to get some sleep yesterday and not during the service today. So uh, anyway, the great week they had uh, at kids camp for everybody. And then one final thing as, uh, as, uh, before I dive in is this. We've seen tremendous growth in this season of our church. In fact, last week I shared that we're up 40% over the same time frame last year. That's unbelievable. And I think some, yeah, you can clap and you can praise God for it. And one of the reasons why I share that is because I just think sometimes we can look around and we just think what we see is normal because that's all we experience. And I'm just telling you that what I hear from around the nation and even statistics, uh, most churches uh, are still down 28% uh, of before their pre-COVID attendance. And, to, and so we don't celebrate that. We mourn over that. But I'm just so grateful that in this season, we're not down. Instead, we're up 40%. And so we just praise God and give him the glory for it. And I just want you to know, it's not natural. It's supernatural. It's miraculous what God is doing, and you're a part of it. And so if you're new to our church and you've not gone through Growth Track, I want to encourage you, get signed up for Growth Track. Hear more about our church. Find out about the past and the present and the future. And also, one of the things that Growth Track will help you do is to discover your purpose. And so make sure that you get signed up for it. And again, if if you're new here and you've not gotten a a free t-shirt, you've not filled out a connection card, straight out those doors at the end of service, I would encourage you to take Take us, uh, to go out there and fill out a connect card and get your free t-shirt. We want to connect with you and follow up with you. Well, last week we began a new sermon series called Retold. And I'm just telling you, there are times when the Holy Spirit just orchestrates things. And today is one of those days where he has just orchestrated some things, which just gives me the confidence to know that this is an on-time word for some of you. And some of you might listen to this message today and you're like, ah, it's just another message. But from the start of the service through the worship songs, there has been a theme. And then even Pastor Dan just preached the message that I'm preaching from a different passage this morning. And now we're about to dive into this. And I just believe that the Holy Spirit has you here today, not by accident, but on purpose. And so he's going to speak to to your heart today. Last week we talked about uh, Noah and the ark. We're looking at stories that we would have heard as children or maybe some of you are teaching in children's church uh, classrooms now or Sunday school classrooms and you're teaching these lessons and they're familiar to you. And as we're looking at these stories, we're looking at them through our adult lens. If you missed last week, I'd encourage you to listen online. Uh, Find us on Facebook or YouTube or crosspointwaverly.com or listen on Spotify. This morning, we're going to look at the crossing of the Red Sea in Exodus chapter 14. You can go ahead and turn in your Bibles there if you want to. I'm going to set us up before we get into there. For some of you, this will be the first time that you've heard this story because you're not only new to our church, you're new to church in general. And so I would encourage you, as always, write down where we're looking at uh, and then read that throughout this week and, and meditate on it. But for others of us, this story is going to be very, very familiar for you. Obviously, the modern reader of the Bible has the luxury of reading ahead and knowing what happens at the end, and so we, we know what happens at the end of each story, and I, it can go without saying, but I'm just going to say it. These people were living this out, and they didn't have the luxury of knowing for sure what was going to happen. Instead, they just had to live in those moments, and there's so much history that leads up to this moment in time, and so I just want to, if you'll just allow me for just a moment to, to set up this passage In Exodus chapter 1, there's a new king over Egypt. The Israelites are being fruitful and multiplying, and their numbers are growing so fast that 
The king is afraid that they're going to join up with another army and then come and conquer them. And so this paranoia sets in with inside of him. And so he makes the Israelites work as slaves. And even as they're working as slaves, they're still multiplying. And then the king of Egypt tells the midwives to kill all of the boy babies. And the midwives feared God more than they feared the king, and so they were unwilling to do that. They were unwilling to murder the Israelite babies. And there's a baby born during this time named Moses, and many of you are familiar with him, and you know the story that they hid him for as long as they could hide him, and then his mom made this basket and placed him in the water, and then Pharaoh's daughter came and saw him in the basket and took him in, and there's some crazy details of this story recorded in Exodus chapter 2, and honestly, you just got to go back this week and read Exodus chapter 2, the details of it, but Pharaoh's daughter finds him, then invites Moses, his mom, unbeknownst to all of the details of this, to actually nurse her own baby, and then she gets paid while doing that. How cool is that, how those details would be worked out? And in, chapter, in Exodus chapter 6, verse number 9, Moses spoke these words to Israel, He says, and they didn't listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and, the, and harsh Slavery. So actually, in Exodus chapter 6, God's going to tell, God tells Moses that he's going to set the Israelites free. God tells Moses that he's going to set the Israelites free. They couldn't receive this message because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. How devastating in this moment that Moses has this positive, strong, encouraging word for them. They couldn't hear it because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. Now think about the lostness of our world today, and it's heartbreaking. Honestly, if you process it, it's devastating. Never have we had the technology that we have and the resource that we have to take the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth, but yet have the apathy that we have in the American church. More resource than ever, more access than ever, and more apathy than ever. Obviously not in our church, but I'm talking about the church right? And so the gospel hasn't changed, and it's still great news for all. The gospel hasn't changed, and it's still great news for all. And I just wonder if our nation is in such despair that their spirits are broken because of their slavery to sin. And so here we have the greatest message ever told that's for everybody, but yet a brokenness of people. We need to pray that those enslaved in sin would be able to realize that the word of God is for them today and that by the power of the Holy Spirit, they can be set free. In Exodus chapter seven through 12, it details Moses and Aaron's interaction with Pharaoh and the plagues that would follow. And there are these supernatural events that the Egyptians and the Israelites both would have witnessed. The Egyptians and the Israelites would have witnessed, witnessed this. And what I mean by this is there's no way that they could unsee it. All of them would have experienced it, and there's no way that they could unsee what happened. These were dramatic, highly visible events. And after all of the devastation of the plagues, Pharaoh finally decided to let the Israelites go. And in Exodus chapter 13, verse number 21, it tells us of more supernatural work that God was doing that they would have witnessed. And it says this, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they may travel by day and by night. 
The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. The nation of Israel finally had been freed from their Egyptian slavery, and as they began to flee Egypt, Pharaoh changes his mind once again and sends his army after them. And as they see the the army coming after them, they become afraid. And here's what they did. In that moment, they sized up God, and they sized up Pharaoh, and then they inaccurately assessed who was more powerful. Because it says they became afraid. Now, how in the world do you experience all of the supernatural events that led up to that moment? Finally, experience your freedom, flee from all of that, and now in this moment, somehow you're going to size up and say that Pharaoh is bigger than God? And I just wonder how often we do the same thing. We hit a moment of crisis, and now all of a sudden we size up this, and we size up God, and somehow in our minds we find that he's lacking. I love what Pastor Dan talked about with Paul and Silas, that in this moment of things not going their way, they're in the jail cell, and they begin to sing songs to God and pray to him, and they experience something miraculous. The fear of what the Israelites think will happen in the future creates a lack of trust. And even in the past few moments that we've been looking at, some of the amazing supernatural things that God has done that they would have witnessed in their hearts, they knew that God is a God of his word. The fear of what they think is about to happen creates a lack of trust in God's power. And instead of remembering the great power of God, they accuse Moses of freeing them when they didn't want him to. And so let's look ahead, let's go ahead and read the story found in Exodus chapter 14. We're going to start at verse number 10, and I'm just going to tell you, it's a long passage of Scripture. It's going to appear on the screen. It's also going to be in your Bible, but it, it, this is what re, how this moment is recorded in history. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? They sound like just amazing people to lead, don't they? I mean, super encouraging, loving, you know. And then, and then he, they say this, what have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve, in, serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, I hate all of you. <laughs> it's not what he says. That's why it's important for you to follow along. <laughs> Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. How could Moses say that? Because in Exodus chapter 6, God said that he would deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians. And what God says he will do, he will do. That's how Moses can say in this passage, to fear not and stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he'll work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. I've told you you can do this. Now here's the deal. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, and the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them, and they will, then I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots, and his horsemen. 
And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was this cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided." And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them in the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces. He threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Even the Egyptians are declaring now that the Lord is fighting for the Israelites. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the hosts of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant, Moses. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that through it we can see your faithfulness demonstrated time and time again. Lord, I pray for the person here today that needs to hear this message, that you would open up ears to hear, hearts to receive, minds to understand, and the courage to live this out. Holy Spirit, speak, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. As we look at this passage in, in Exodus chapter 14, verse number 10, the Israelites had totally lost perspective. They become so afraid, and as you think about this, you have to be like, how in the world could they have experienced what they experienced and now get to this moment and be afraid? How is that even possible? And when you feel afraid, I just wonder, do we trust God or do we panic and curse him like the Israelites? It's crazy to think how fast we can even forget the goodness and the faithfulness of God and slip into fear. So often we fall into the trap of forgetting what God has done when we're afraid of what might happen in the future or even what we see happening around us in the present. And that's what happened for the Israelites. In their fear, they lost perspective. And Moses tells them in verse number 13 and 14 to not be afraid and to stand firm. He tells them that the Lord is going to fight for them. How many know that the Lord can fight our battles much better than we can fight them? We see that demonstrated in this passage. And what happens next in this story is a great lesson in walking by faith and not by sight. The Israelites, in fact, all who follow God are called to trust him and move forward one step at a time. This is the thing about walking by faith. That no matter your circumstances, no matter what's bearing down on you, and no matter what's surrounding you, you move forward in faith as God has commanded. 
And then verse number 15, in, in full awareness of the circumstances, God told them to move forward. And what do you mean the full awareness of the circumstances? They are standing on the bank of a sea, and they're told to move forward. Like, do you not see what I see? Right, there's a sea here. How are we supposed to move forward? Is, you know, we don't even know the New Testament yet, so there's no way that we know that we can walk on water. Like, what in the world's going to happen right here? How, how are we supposed to move forward? Even when it seemed like there was no way, God made a way. Even when it seemed like there was no way, God made a way. And I just want to say to somebody here this morning, some of you are facing an obstacle or a barrier that seems so great and there seems to be no way. And I just want to tell you, we serve a God who makes a way. Verse number 21, Moses stretches out his hand over the sea and the sea parted. What an image. Can you picture it in your head? Some of you are like, yes, I've seen the movies. You know, a wall of water on the right-hand side, a wall of water on the left-hand side. And I just don't think that Blockbuster Special Effects has anything on what it actually looked like that day. And they're forced into this situation where they have to trust in God. When God says to take a step forward, they have to trust God. And when God tells us to take a step forward, we have to trust God. And they've just been grumbling, thinking they're going to die, and now God has performed yet another miracle they can stay where they are and get slaughtered, or they can move forward as God has commanded them. And I wonder if there were some, even in that moment, that still struggled to walk in obedience. All of the miracles that they've seen, now this new miracle of waters parting, walls of water on the right-hand side and the left-hand side, and you just know some of them were still grumbling. Like, Moses, are you kidding me? Clearly, you can see what God has done here. He's parted the waters so that our grumbling selves can walk across, and then right when we get to the middle of it, you know what God's going to do, Moses. He's going to crush us with these walls of water. I bet that that day there were some early adopters. Egyptians behind me, dry ground ahead of me. I don't need any more instructions. God said move, let's go, right? We're just going to walk across on dry ground, and we're going to get across there. But I bet that there were also some late adopters who were like, yeah, Tony, I'm going to see you go first. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I'm going to let you get about halfway, and then if you make it halfway and nothing gets you, then, then I'm going to come on with you and cross the water. Can you imagine, there are some people who were the early adopters because there's like, there's no way I'm getting stuck behind her, you know? There's no way I'm getting stuck behind him, and so they just want to move across. The sea parted, and, uh, and these people, they make it across, and, and as they're crossing, the Egyptian army is still pursuing them, and they're chasing them. They pursued them through the path that was created, and the Israelites, again, crossed over on dry ground. And that's just trippy. It's crazy that all of a sudden, where there was water, now is dry ground. And I don't know what your experience has been with water. I'll just share a couple of my experiences with you. Uh, a couple of years ago, or a few years ago, I was hunting, duck hunting with a friend, and we were in a boat with no dog at Sweets Marsh. And so we became the fetching animals to go get the ducks. And so I'll just tell you what happens at Sweet Marsh. When you step out of the boat, you are not stepping onto hard ground under the water. You are stepping into mud. 
that when you step down is going to be at least knee high in your waders. And then as you step, then the other knee is going to step down. And I was dumb enough to keep walking across. And the further I got, the more that I sank into the mud and the muck and the mire. I mean, I, I seriously thought I was going to die. Like, I'm going to be permanently forever in sweet smart stuck in mud up to, up to my hips. And so that's been my experience. So I'll tell you that when they drained the area in front of our house on the Cedar River last year to do some repair work to... Uh, to whatever, to some bridges and stuff that they were doing, that shallow bay area looked like dry ground. And I'm just telling you that I was smart enough to know that a couple of days of the sun baking that mud did nothing to it. There was no way that I was going to step from the bank and walk all the way across to the channel on dry ground. And so I'm just telling you that what they experienced was miraculous. There's no way that something that's been covered in water for years, now all of a sudden, as it spreads apart, is dry ground. And so the Israelites walk across it on dry ground. And then the Bible tells us that as the Egyptians pursued them, that God threw them into chaos and that their chariot wheels began to get bogged down. Chariot wheels don't get bogged down on dry ground. And so you can just envision those chariot wheels sinking deeper and deeper into the mud and the muck and the mire. And now they get out. And what do they say? They say, we need to turn back because the God, because the God of the universe is fighting for the Israelites and against us. And it was too late. You see in the story what happened. The waters crushed, crushed them. Exodus chapter 14 records that the Egyptians pursued them. They're thrown into panic. And, the, and verse number 25 is the verse that talks about their chariot wheels clogging. It was too late for them. And in verse number 28 of Exodus chapter 14, it records that not one of them remained. Afterwards, the Israelites stood on the dry ground on the opposite side of the sea, and they saw the dead Egyptians. And they realized they were witnessing the great power of God. In fact, in verse number 31, it says that Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. We realize that the Egyptians and the Israelites all would have experienced the same supernatural events leading up to this moment. And what's crazy is that both groups of people forgot God. Both groups of people forgot God. The Israelites forgot God and they doubted on the bank of the Red Sea before the waters parted. And right after that, the Egyptians forgot God and doubted God as they stepped into the water and thought that they were an opposing enough force to go against God. And what's crazy for the Israelites is they had experienced the greatest level of kindness that had ever been demonstrated to them in being set free from Egypt. And even after that great blessing and that moment, they forgot God. In this demonstration of power, God had provided for Israel. God had used his power to provide protection to the Israelites. Their faith in God was once again renewed. It's important for those who trust in God to remember that we trust God in good times and in bad. We trust him when things uh, go as planned and when things don't go as planned. 
And that day, as Pharaoh had his army bearing down upon the Israelites and the sea was blocking their escape, things were not going as planned. Can I encourage you to not forget God right before your miracle? Don't stop believing, don't stop praying, and don't forget God. In Genesis chapter 21, it records some details of of Abraham and Sarah's life. And God visited Sarah exactly as he said he would, and God did to Sarah what he promised. This happened when she was really old, and what stood in in between the promise and the fulfillment of that promise were a whole lot of years. And nothing happened in that time except years of waiting, but God had not forgotten Abraham and Sarah. And they knew that they could trust that God was a God of his word, and it says that Abraham and Sarah had the son that God had promised at the very time that God had set. At the very time God had set. It wasn't on their time schedule. How many know that things don't happen for us on our time schedule? They happen on his And it's easy for us to trust God when he leads us into a green pasture with blue and sunny skies. But I just want to encourage you, no matter what your circumstance, no matter what your obstacle, don't give up, don't quit, and don't miss out on your miracle. And I know that we didn't miss this detail of the story as we read it today, but I want to just state it. God knew the route that he was taking the Israelites on. He's the one who took them on the path to the Red Sea. And so there was never this moment where God said, I can't believe that pillar of cloud by day and that pillar of fire by night led them on the wrong path and now we have this obstacle in front of us. What am I gonna do? God is the one that led them on that path. And when he brought, him, brought them to this obstacle, he made a way where there seemed to be no way. And maybe there are some of you right now who are cursing God like the Israelites because of the obstacle that's standing in front of you. And I just wanna say to some of you today, maybe it's God who's brought you to this obstacle. Maybe he's the one that's brought you to this place so that his glory can be revealed when he prepares a way where there seems to be no way. God's glory doesn't always look the way we expect. And this story can show us the power of trusting God always, no matter if things are going as planned or not. And as we reflect on this passage, God was after the salvation of his people and he's still after the salvation of his people. And when we look at the story of Abraham and Sarah, it happened in his time. As we look at the story of the Israelites crossing over the Red Sea, the moment of their salvation happened when God made a way. And I just want to speak to all of us this morning and tell you that God has already made a way for our salvation, and it's through Jesus. He's made a way. When the waters parted, God saved his people right when it was obvious that there was nothing that they could do to save themselves. And we find ourselves in the same situation today that there's absolutely nothing that we can do to save ourselves. In Romans chapter five, verse eight says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ makes a way. And so I just wonder, maybe there are some of you here today 
who the obstacle is so great in front of you that you're like some of the Israelites who are like, I I just want to go back to the way it was. I just want to go back to being bondage and slavery. Maybe there's some of you here today who you're like, I just want to go back to my old life. This obstacle seems so insurmountable. The odds seem too great. And you're looking at your old life, the life that God has set you free from, and for some reason your mind is so twisted that you think that the bondage of sin looks better than the freedom and the path that God's paved ahead of you. And I just want to encourage you today, don't give up. Don't turn back. He didn't save you for you to turn back. He saved you for you to move forward for his glory. I'm going to ask that you would bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room. Maybe there are some of you who've come in today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior and you say, today I want to become a follower of him. Maybe there are others of you who at one time walked with God but you've turned your back on him and you say, today I need to see my relationship restored back to him. Just a moment with every head bowed and every eye closed. If that's you, you say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room. One two, three, lift them up all across this room. One, you can put it down. Two, three, you can put it down. Are there others this morning? Four, you can put it down. Are there others this morning? Let's all stand. There were at least four hands that went up this morning of people who need to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or who need to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it after me. Mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. This morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior, be my king. Take over every area, take over every aspect and help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. If you prayed that prayer, we'd ask that you would text the word yes to 319-250-8998. Text the word yes to 319-250-8998. We want to encourage you along in the decision that you've made today in the journey that God wants to take you on. In just a moment, the worship team's going to lead us in another song. The prayer team's going to make their way to the front. They're going to be on both sides of the stage. And if you've come here today needing prayer for anything, I would encourage you in just a moment to step out of your seat. And maybe for some of you, it's, it's that giant obstacle that's in your way right now. And there doesn't seem like there's a way moving forward, but yet God has told you to take a step forward. I would encourage you to step out of your seat and let somebody pray for you today that God would make a way in your life where there seems to be no way. So I'm going to pray over you. When I'm done, I'm going to say amen. They're going to lead us in a song, and I'd encourage you to step out of your seats. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your word, for your faithfulness, and for your goodness. God, we're thankful for your goodness and faithfulness that's been demonstrated in our lives. 
Lord, I pray for those in this room today that, that are up against this barrier that seems impassable. God, I pray that you would make a way where there seems to be no way. For those who still haven't put their trust in you, I pray that today, right now, in this moment, that people would put their trust in you, that you would draw hearts towards you, that you would remove blinders off of people's eyes so that they can see and receive the gift that you have for them. I pray for the hopelessness of those around us, that the gospel, the good news would would be shared by each of us and that it would fall upon receptive hearts and hearts would be turned back towards you. Lord, we're grateful that in a moment when we couldn't do anything for ourselves, that while we were still sinners, God, you sent Jesus to die on the cross for us that we could have forgiveness of sins. Lord, as we think about the lostness around our community and the lostness around our world, would you remove apathy from any hearts? And in its place, would you put enthusiasm and excitement and urgency to advance your gospel? Lord, may we not settle in and be comfortable with 40% growth this year. But with urgency and expectation in our hearts, may we continue to chase after you with all that we've got till all have heard and all have received. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.